Growing up, there was this river I passed every time I went to school in the morning. And each time there was a drought, I could see the different rocks that lay at the bottom of this river. Since I was younger, I never really made the connection between climate change and droughts. I never found it worrying how much more frequent these droughts were becoming. But now I know that the increased rate of droughts, especially on islands, increased the risk of losing biodiversity and possible wildfires that become more severe. In relation to the Maui crisis that occurred on August 8th, droughts were a huge factor on why the wildfires became so severe that day. Hi, and welcome back to The Female Ramble, a podcast centered on simplifying social issues. I'm your host, Flaviana Conway, and today we have our first guest on the podcast who will be joining the discussion on the climate crisis. In the last episode, we talked about how Gen Z is making waves to address the climate crisis. So in today's episode, I will be interviewing Elakai Anela, a native-born Hawaiian from Gen Z, who can give his insight on the Maui disaster that occurred on August 8th and its connection to climate change. This episode connects to a larger issue that is islands being the most vulnerable to the climate crisis. Before I begin, please go check out Elakai's podcast called The Birdie Breakdown Spotify. If you're into baseball, this podcast is for you. Hi, guys. This is the segment of the podcast where I'm going to be interviewing a person named Elakai who has experience in being in Hawaii and who can give us insight on island vulnerability and just the climate change overall. So, I met Elakai at a summer camp, and I'm going to hand it over to him to introduce himself. Hi, guys. My name is Elakai. I also run a podcast, so I'm very familiar with how this works. Uh, But I'm excited to be here. And like Fabi said, she just alluded to it. I met her at a summer program, so I can't wait for this little segment. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you're connected to, like, Hawaii and... Yeah, so I was born and raised in Hawaii. My mom still lives there and she runs her own small business there that she created herself. So I, the first eight years of my life, I spent on that island and it, it stayed with me really wherever I go. And more or less, I go back three times a year. So I go back in the summer, winter and during spring break. So I'm still in touch with a lot of people there. I stay connected. Uh, and it, it, it my, people use it as like a vacation, but for me, it's really a second home. So obviously we all know the recent events uh, of what's happened there with the wildfire. So it's been really sad to see. I'll get into that, but uh, I, I do think the island will bounce back, but that's just how I'm connected to it. So uh, I can give a little insight on it. Thank you for introducing yourself. So how is life living in Hawaii like? Ooh, life in Hawaii. Uh, I'll put it like this. It's really, it's more chill, but there's also a lot going on far below the surface than what people uh, go there. Like when people go on vacation there, they don't understand like what goes into the community, what the locals do. It's a whole different like sense. So there's like one side of the island that's just primarily tourists. And then I live on the side that's primarily local. So there's a lot of hard work, a lot of labor, the income there 
isn't as good. So it's not as stable as where I live now in California. So it's harder to make a living there, harder to survive. And there's the, obviously the taxes are high, but people just go there to vacation. They're like, oh, it's amazing. But when you really get to know the island, get to know the people, you'll know how chill it is. There's always the friendly spirit of aloha, which means welcome or goodbye in Hawaii. And then ohana, which means family. And ohana is more than just family. It's extended family going to the community. So that's what people miss. Like they don't get that part of Hawaii. And I want people to get that, to understand that it's more than just a place to go vacationing on. Yeah, and in part of this episode, I'm going to be talking about Puerto Rico. So similarly to where I live in Puerto Rico, you can see how there's this like stark difference between the tourists and the locals who live here and how the tourists, like sometimes they might mainly see this place as, you know, a vacation spot. And though there's nothing wrong with that, there's this sort of disconnection where they don't see the real issues and like uh, the type of harm that they may be causing to locals. So definitely I, I see some similar ground between Hawaii and Puerto Rico and that way. Yeah, me too. So, I like that contrast. Yeah. yeah. So being on an island, what like when you visit Hawaii, I've experienced a lot of like Hurricane Maria on in Puerto Rico and recently just last year Hurricane Fiona which have like really devastated areas that are not in the metro like more rural areas and my question is have you ever like experienced any of these types of natural disasters when you visit Hawaii or like heard about them I've heard about them but there was one from like 30 years ago uh, I forget I think it was a hurricane I forget the name of it and it hit the island of Hawaii, the big island, which is straight across from Maui. Uh, and it kind of devastated that. But to be honest, really, no, other than uh, similar wildfires. I mean, it was like five years ago and it was a very similar scenario, which they put them out. But the center part of the island, which is mainly now and it still was at the time, it's just a bunch of crops and stuff that burnt. But like there wasn't burning in areas that people reside in. So other than that, no, this was like a whole new experience. And honestly, I don't think anyone was prepared. The mayor wasn't prepared. The people weren't prepared. Nobody expected this. Kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't even know like what was truly happening. I had, I mean, I was into like, oh, there are high winds, and, but I can maybe a fire could start. I doubt it. Uh, but being secluded on an island where there's really no escape, it was really surreal in the sense that you don't know what's going to happen. You have so many questions. So it was very scary. I've, I've really, people have never seen that before. Uh, and it's like one of its kind where it's just devastating to the whole island, not just for now, but in the long term too. So here you're talking about a wild, a specific wildfire that happened five years ago in Hawaii. Yeah, there was, uh, there were a couple of wildfires on that day. It was really weird. I think part of it was arson. I wasn't fully in the loop. Part of it was arson. And then the other part was uh, a like it wasn't control burn, but it just started burning. There were like four different fires in four different spots. It was really eerie. And then there's a big fire towards Kihei, uh, which is on the south side of the island. And it picked up like hardcore. And it was, it was probably the most notable one out of the four. It came really close to the power plant, which would have just cut everything, cut electricity, cut power, cut everything. And it avoided it and the crews put it out in time. 
But this one's so different that there were four, I mean, there were three major wildfires and it, they grew so big because of the wind, which I'll get into. They grew so big because of the wind. There was just no putting them out like the one they did with Kihei prior. So I've also read about how Hawaii is getting, how the climate is getting drier. And because of that, a lot of the wildfires or disasters like that, it kind of becomes worse or exacerbated. So can you get a bit into that about how you're noticing this climate in Hawaii changing to be more drier and yeah. Yeah. So basically I've seen it in California too, where it's just super dry and it's been weird too, because there hasn't been, it's like out of the ordinary, there haven't been as much rainfall in Hawaii, especially uh, where the, like the touristy side, the south side, the middle of the island, where the sugarcane plants are, where the crops are, where the fields are. And then of course the, um, the west side where the fire was. So it, it's been, it's been like the plants are dry. I told my mom, and this is so eerie, but I told my mom a couple of weeks prior, I'm like, mom, I think a wildfire is going to happen. It's just the most dry I've ever seen it. Uh, I I do think it do it has to do with climate change. There's no way around that. But there's also been like a lack of attention. They could have, I'm just saying they could have put like done something. The government could have done something to like reduce the that like aspect where the middle of the island was just straight crops. They could have put like houses there, whatever. But instead, I think that was like part of the fuel to the fire too, where you just have open area for it to burn continuously along with the high winds. I really have never seen it like that before either. And it's just progressively getting worse too. Yeah. So can you tell me now that we're on the topic of wildfires and how they've been getting more frequent and sort of worse in Hawaii, can you tell me a little bit about what happened on August 8th related to the Maui incident? Okay. So I have a, I have a long story, but I'm not going to, I'll cut it like shorter. So I woke up in the morning and my mom tells me there was a fire uh, burning in Pukalani and we're up in Kula, by the way, which is like up the mountain, like we're at high point of Kula. It's called Kula 200. So, and then you keep going, it goes all the way up to Haleakala, the highest point on the island. So below us, there's a fire. So we had to evacuate. The fire split into two and the, the one from Pukalani stayed in Pukalani, but there was the other one that's that split, the other part that split, started moving up towards Kula, up towards our house. So we got very, the, the fire got super close to us before they put it out. And it still wasn't fully put out for a couple of days. So we could literally walk two minutes down the road, not even like a minute. And it's just right across the neighborhood next door. There were houses burned down. People were digging through rubbish. I That's like the digging through burnt stuff that's what i want people to understand like that it just devastated everybody and then obviously the one in lahaina is the major news it's it which was a whole different controversy in itself because the mayor didn't sound any emergency sirens so there's no way of knowing that the fire was like coming in there and it just burnt people alive there's there's only one way out one way in they shut off the way out so that means nobody can get in nobody could get out so it was just like I don't know, like a fire oven where people were just getting roasted alive. Houses were burned. People were jumping into the water to try and survive, which is just horrific. And then the fire, the water was on fire too. So I'm saying like 80% of, as what I've heard, 80% of Lahaina burned. Like I know multiple people who barely got out of there. 
multiple people who survived. I've heard terrible stories. It was just awful all around. And like there was a fire in Kihei too. Nobody talks about that. They put it out after like a day, but it that's three fires on the same island. And it was mainly caused to uh, because of high wind from Hurricane Dora, which was going like 700 miles to the south, 700 miles. And we still got effects from it, like 60, 80 mile per hour winds. It was gusting. And it was just yeah. like fueled to the fire where there's no way to put it out. It, it was horrific. There, like the water ran dry in Lahaina. There's just nothing to stop the fire at all. So it continued to grow and grow. And there was just no way out because you're stuck on a confined island. No planes are coming in. No planes are coming out. Wow, that sounds like a horrifying experience. I can't, like. Yeah, it yeah. was just, it was devastating. And I also saw from multiple outlets that it was like the deadliest wildfires ever. And mm -hmm. I'm going to put this in perspective where like if, if you see a fire in California, maybe like 50 people died. That's a lot. Yeah. But in Hawaii, just because it's so, like I said, secluded and stuck and confined in one area, you have people just like right there in that area. And in Lahaina yeah. specifically, they've searched through thousands and thousands of bodies. And they still say that a thousand people are missing and the death, death tolls in the 200s. So that's got to be at least more than a thousand people dead. It, it's just, I don't really know how to say it other than it's terrible. And the thing that is like, that pushes me over the top is that we have like, like parents trying to get their ch child out of there and they, they get burned in the fire and their child gets out of there, but then they have no family to go to. Like what's going to happen with the survivors? And, and now the economy is just busted too. 80% of the income there is from tourists. Tourists don't want to go there for obvious reasons. So it's just a mess all around. I, I There's no like clear cut solution, but it, it would just take time to rebuild and the, the locals can do it but they need help from everyone worldwide to do it. Yeah, so this is sort of a global call to call attention to this issue and to sort of create arms to help Maui. And the situation has thankfully gained like a lot of attention, but even then there is still people who don't know what's occurring. What's occurring now in Maui as the locals have to start rebuilding and still with the missing people and what happened on August 8th. So now my question is, how how did this situation affect you like emotionally? And what would you give advice to people who experience similar situations like this because of the climate change? Okay. So this situation just like I've been a, I'm telling you that I've been a part of fires like here in California, but this one felt particularly scary. And it, it took I, it was just like shock. Uh, like I had to stay at a friend's house for the night. It's not about me, but like just to see people like on the streets, like fleeing for their lives. It, it made me feel sick. It made me feel disheartened. Like th those are the two main words that come to mind just because I could, nobody, nobody wants to, like, could imagine that. Nobody wants to see it. And if I had to tell people who are in the same situation, their story is going to be different. It's all going to be different. But those directly affected, we need to support them any way we can, whether it's, like, Venmoing them money, like, directly, just directly, giving them 
place a place to live for however long necessary because they the maui county set up uh five relief shelters and those i went by one in kahului which is like the main hub of maui the place was packed and it, it just it's so so crazy to me that so many people were affected by this i i, I mean like it's business owners are going to struggle i've said the economy's in just like in an awful spot but we have to put emphasis on getting these people back and there's going to be like back semi-normal uh, a lot of people are moving off the island uh obviously like i said gun shy but for these people affected directly affected not like me but in like barely escaping we just have to give them as much support as possible that's what they need they're gonna it's gonna be a long road to recovery uh they just need all the help they can get yeah so that your your last your last sentence sort of answers what i was gonna ask next about what now for maui and it, it does have to do a lot with rebuilding and supporting everyone who's been affected and bringing more awareness to what occurred and how we how the government in maui and the u.s as well can build like infrastructure that can help support from like these disasters happening and becoming worse than what they need to be because we do have the resources to help because even here in in puerto rico when a hurricane does happen there's areas in rural there's homes and rural areas where even today they have this sort of like blue tarps over their homes and it's meant to like protect their roof their roofs that have been sort of like broken in and protecting the home within from like rain or rubble and a lot of them come from like hurricane maria and hurricane maria like happened seven years ago five years ago and it there's still a lot of people in the metro like we do receive attention a lot more faster than people who live in sort of like the mountains who only have like let's say one bridge to go in and out and when that gets destroyed it it takes a longer response for the authorities to help out so sort of similar to maui how like with the airplanes going in and out and they're unable to do that so definitely like from here and in a lot of government officials they have to help out and how we can sort of build that infrastructure to prevent this from happening and not making it worse that is perfect that's a perfect uh analogy you basically described what i was going to say next but i also want to add that while we're donating while people are donating you and i alike it, like now we have to continue that for the future because now is one thing but in the long run how are people going to react to this how are people going to survive how are businesses going to stay afloat how are like how are you going to feed your family if there's no set income that you just you just lost a bunch of money there's no set income now so i i want to put emphasis on the fact that we have to continue to continue to support people it's it's not just now it's for however many years whether it be like three years five years uh you just got to keep supporting people because you don't know what they're going through uh and i want to i want to illustrate what they went through and how we can best support them uh for the future yeah so bringing for people who are affected by the situation sort of bringing that voice to those who are voiceless 
and also helping out in any way that we can, as well as raising attention to the problem, because maybe they won't be able to speak up about it because they're worried about their own situation and having to rebuild, but we can help them either build better infrastructure or just raise awareness to what they're going through. So, yeah. The last, the last thing I want to say is that, uh, as I mentioned very early in this conversation, Ohana means family. Give back to the Ohana there. That's that's what you can do. If you're from afar, if you have been to Maui, uh, you know how beautiful of an island it is. Uh, and I, I, if it never rebuilds, which is in the worst case scenario, then you can take that for granted. But please, please, please give back to the Ohana. That's all I'm asking for. That's a beautiful ending. Thank you, Alakai. And thank you for joining the podcast today. Thank you for having me. It was fun. I'll be linking down below an article on the Maui crisis for those interested in learning more about it and how they can support Maui locals. Don't forget to answer the question down below in the Spotify box and go check out the Birdie Breakdown by Alakai on Spotify. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Fayana Conway, and this is The Female Ramble.